Welcome and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Greetings and thank you again for joining me. I am Gene Cotter, your host, and today we are joined by Deputy Administrator at the Administrative Office of Courts and Probation for Juvenile Services, Jeannie Bradner. Jeannie, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me today, Gene. You bet. So before we get going, I guess I would like you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with working the juvenile system. Well, I came back to Nebraska in 2013 when some of the juvenile justice reform efforts were happening here. Very exciting time. Prior to that time, I was in the state of Arizona, where I also worked in the juvenile justice arena, overseeing detention and probation operations at the Administrative Office of the Courts in Phoenix, Arizona. Jeannie, there's a lot of places a person can go when they go into criminal justice and juvenile justice. What drew you to the juvenile field? After completing college, I had two jobs at the time. One of them was a job working with juveniles who were in shelter care and day reporting services. The other job that I held at that exact same time was working with adults who were institutionalized in a psychiatric hospital. And while viewing that mental health problem was great for my growth, Uh, it wasn't quite the direction that I wanted to go. And so, and maybe at the time, part of that had to do with, I was rather young and could relate to juveniles probably better as well. And so I just really found a passion for wanting to understand, help those that were misunderstood, and being able to redirect youth on the right path going forward. And so it just was something that just felt right. It seems to be that juvenile justice and juvenile justice-related things are a regular topic of conversation, and it seems like there's a lot of evolution nationally around initiatives and reform and those types of things. You just talked a little bit about how you came back from Arizona in 2013 under the most recent realm of juvenile justice reform. Tell us a little bit about that evolution since 2013 for Nebraska. Yeah, actually, as you said, juvenile justice has been a hot topic nationally for probably the last 15 years or so. I was thinking earlier about the U.S. Supreme Court decisions that have really paved the way for juvenile justice changes and reform in Nebraska. And I believe the first U.S. Supreme Court surrounding specific juvenile issues was in 2005. And so, as you mentioned, in 2013, Nebraska had a great opportunity to say, how are we treating youth in Nebraska that are uh, in trouble with the law? How are we, can we do better? Uh, Are there service gaps that we have? Are there additional empowerment pieces that we can utilize for youth and or families. And so all of that was transpiring in 2013 with major law changes as youth who formally had to move over to Department of Health and Human Services and become state wards to receive services and or treatment at that point in time were able to stay with probation and receive that treatment and funding through probation. You bring up a very important point. You talked about a couple different types of youth and families there. Explain it a little bit more in depth, if you would, the difference between juvenile justice and child welfare. 
Yeah, that's a really great question, Jean, and one that's often asked um, because there isn't clarity all the time about that issue. The major difference is that the Department of Health and Human Services oversees uh, youth who are neglected and or abused in some way, shape, or form, whereas probation has supervision authority for those youth that have been in trouble for problem behaviors, maybe at school, maybe with a law enforcement officer, those types of things. One of the key distinctions between those youth in HHS's care and those youth under probation supervision is custody. The state does not have custody of youth on probation. Instead, we are merely supervising them in their community environments and or placement if ordered by the court. That hasn't always been the case, right? Correct. Talk a little bit about how that has evolved over the last several years. Yeah, as I mentioned before the 2013 reform initiatives, those youth who couldn't otherwise afford treatment and or services while on probation did have to go over to the Health and Human Services under the Office of Juvenile Services to become a state ward in order to get treatment and or services. While those youth who maybe didn't need intense services and or treatment and or those youth who had private payment sources or private insurance could stay under probation supervision. So it was a major shift for Nebraska. So recently I read a stat that talked about how 72% of all kids in Nebraska are now getting services from inside their family home or a familiar home, like a foster care situation, something like that. That has not always been the case. Can you talk a little bit about the efforts that the juvenile division has gone through to make that happen? Absolutely, Jean. That was part of the 2013 juvenile justice reform. One of the huge pieces of that reform is the number of youth that were being served out of home. And while some youth absolutely do need to be out of home for a treatment need or a community safety issue, not always the case. And what was being found out, not only in Nebraska, but across the nation, is that when a youth was removed from their home and programmed and fixed, so to speak, and put back into their family environment, what happened was that they fell back into the same behaviors that they were originally removed from the home. And so there's been a lot of work, both nationally and in Nebraska, to intensify service availability for in-home services. So the whole family can be involved in this process of what's happening inside the home, how can we fix it, to be able to maintain the relationships, the family, the school, all of the community efforts and actions that are happening around that child in in their entire ecology. You've talked a little bit about the service gaps in and around Nebraska. I know that historically, and this remains the case, where we have to unfortunately send kids to other states or other locations in order to receive the services they need, but I think that's also been a big improvement in order to keep Nebraska kids in Nebraska to receive services so their families can be more closely involved. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yes, that's the same item that we've been discussing about this reform, about community-based, about home-based initiatives. It really is that collaborative effort of the community partners and our providers. So we have worked tirelessly with our partners 
in service providers to be able to say, this is the profile of youth that is on probation that might need placement, and we need to figure out how best we can work with youth, and not only the youth, but their families, as you mentioned, because that is a very important component for youth when they do need to be out of the home, is that connection to their families, their, their parents, their siblings, anyone that was important to them, whether that be school, parishioners, any type of involvement that they had prior to going into that placement. A normal catchphrase around juvenile justice is wraparound services, and a lot of that comes down to those partnerships, right? Yes, absolutely. Again, if we don't have the right service that is here today, we will look at a youth individually and say, what is the particular service and or services that would help this youth and or family get on the right track and get to where they need to go? So wraparound is something we commonly refer to and individualize those services specific to that youth and their needs. Thank you for covering that for me because it wasn't a very clear question around what exactly a wraparound service is, and I think you just cleared it up there. Another common misconception is juveniles are small adults. That absolutely is not the case. Can you talk a little bit about just how important adolescent brain development is when working with kids? Yes, and as I mentioned, this has been something that's been involving first from the U.S. Supreme Court decisions that have been coming out since about 2005, but also national research that says exactly just that. Adolescents are not small adults. They are constitutionally different. Um, We have to look at them in terms of what is their culpability and capability in order to habilitate and reform and or maybe just develop because sometimes youth just don't have the skills that are needed to be able to regulate. And it's really interesting because we see youth that develop at different rates in their social, emotional, physical, and cognitive domains, we see in front of us a youth who might look like an adult. And so in our head, we think, well, if they look like an adult, then we should respond to them like that. And we have to remember that everything that they've been exposed to in their early childhood impacts their experiences and their development, and they are still developing. And as you said, that brain development research says until the mid-20s, that brain is not fully developed. And so there is a lot of impulsivity. There is a lot of leaning towards, I want to be able to have immediate gratification. I want to be able to do what my peers are doing, and maybe not thinking about the long-term consequences or the self-regulation of their own behavior. So just because I'm a six foot five, 250 pound, 13 year old doesn't mean that I have the brain of a 30 year old with similar physical characteristics. That's exactly what that means. When you talk about habilitation, generally people talk about rehabilitation when people come into the court system. Talk a little bit more about exactly what habilitation is. Habilitation is that first opportunity to grow and change. Rehabilitation assumes you've already been habilitated a first time. And so as I mentioned, because youth are still developing, we want to give them that space that's necessary for them to be able to experience, to grow, to learn, to have consequences. I mean, we absolutely want to hold youth accountable for behaviors that are outside of societal norms. But we can do that in ways that will shape youth, help them learn and grow and become productive adults. Juvenile justice reform has been going on in Nebraska for now going on seven years. We have seen a lot of progress. Anything in particular that you want to talk about that you would hold up as just prime examples of your work? 
Wow. There's lots of individual things that happen on a daily basis that show progress, that show stakeholders that are understanding, that are buying in, that are looking at youth individually. But I would say the big things, and they're still a work in progress, but the big things, one of which we've already touched on, is looking at those out-of-home placement numbers and safely reducing those numbers. And what goes hand-in-hand with that is detention. And that has been something, again, that Nebraska has been involved with for a long time in terms of nationally the Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative. But that initiative looks at safely reducing detention for those youth that can be maintained in the community with proper supervision and services. And so reduction of those youth that don't necessarily need to be detained and reduction of the utilization of -of out-of-home placement are two huge areas of improvement, but also areas that we still need to continue to improve on. Just kind of like everything that we do at probation, that even though we're maybe happy with the way things are today, we know that we can get better. If I remember correctly, three-quarters of all youth placed on probation make their way off of probation successfully, maybe higher than that. Recidivism rates are among national leaders in the state of Nebraska. Anything else that you want to highlight that we haven't already talked about, Jeannie? Yeah, I think probably recidivism was, was the thing I was thinking about as well, is, is that is something that we have done a really good job of in Nebraska, of developing a common definition, utilizing that definition from year to year to watch that recidivism growth and or hopefully decrease. And so our last publication that we put out, juvenile recidivism, was 22%. And there's obviously some more information in that publication about how that's figured. But that's a really great statistic for us. And so in addition to that, the only other thing I would say, Jean, is there tends to be a misnomer about who is on probation. Um, And I also, before coming here today, looked at some of those statistics. And by and large, the number of youth that are on probation, the majority of them are on for either a status offense or a misdemeanor. And only about 8% of the youth in Nebraska are being supervised on juvenile probation for a felony offense. And so those numbers also tell us something about the population that we are serving. And so, again, those lower-level offenses, we would hope to have better recidivism outcomes, but we also take into account what's the risk level of the youth that we're serving. Just to make sure you and I are on the same page, talk a little bit more about what is a status offender? Yeah, another great question. Uh, A status offender is someone who can get in trouble for something just by virtue of their age. And so examples of that are not going to school. That's something that a youth can be held accountable for, but an adult doesn't have that same accountability. Running away, minor in possession of tobacco or alcohol, those types of things are status offenses, whereby other offenses, when I talked about misdemeanor, traffic, or felony, are infractions of the law. Jeannie, are there any cases, any examples, just anything that you can think of that just exemplifies what juvenile justice, how that works, and what the end goal is from this is where you came in the front door, and this is when we completely reunited you with your family and said, you're done. Yeah, that's a really difficult question because, as I said earlier, there, there's so many things along the way, and they're so individualized. Uh, but I would say overall, this may sound kind of ironic, but if the juvenile justice system is working effectively, youth may not even enter the system. 
the first part of that has to be there should be enough opportunities both in home, community, schools to be able to divert youth, especially low-end offenses, from being involved in the justice system. At the point that youth do need to come in contact with the justice system, it would be having them go through the process, getting them what they need, and getting them out the door in as minimal time as possible. Again, not wanting to criminalize any type of normal adolescent behaviors that would be happening with that youth and getting them on the right track, but also needing to ensure the community is safe. And just to be clear, it's never just about the kid. It's always about the kid and their family, whatever that definition of family might be. Absolutely. Family, community, schools, all of the stakeholders involved. And juvenile work is very exciting because of that. It's not just about the youth. It is about all other stakeholders, and, and including the community, because, again, our, one of our primary roles is ensuring that the community is safe. We're always looking for young professionals that are looking to make a big impact in the world that you and I work in. What would you say to somebody getting ready to graduate from college that's contemplating a career in criminal justice or juvenile justice, and why should they come to work for probation? I would say, Gene, they have to explore all of their options. If you can get in the door, get an internship or volunteer maybe serve in some capacity that can get you that exposure, you will find out if this is a passion and a field that you should pursue. And we absolutely want young, motivated, educated individuals to be able to come over to probation and help with that juvenile population. Jeannie, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been fantastic information. Join us again next time when Monica Miles Steffens, a director in the Juvenile Services Division, talks more in depth about the Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative. This has been another episode of Your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review us on your favorite podcast platform.